Welcome, folks, to Brand of Man Ministries, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ, not through any agency or work of man, but by the grace of God alone. I'm Pastor Will Hunsaker, and in today's episode of Open Your Bibles, we'll explore Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 12, where Paul continues to teach the Galatians and us today reasons as to why the law is destructive to Christians. Now, before we do that, I would like to take a moment to discuss the biblical perspective of law and grace, which are the main themes of Paul's letter to the Galatians. So law and grace progress through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, revealing God's plan of redemption. That's their purpose. So anytime you read in the Bible of a commandment or directive from God telling you to do something or not do something, this characterizes law. So it's not always just the Ten Commandments, although that's very significant. It's all of God's commandments, all throughout Scripture, and there's quite a few. So the contrast to law is grace. Grace is characterized as the generosity of God providing blessings or promises and or promises that are neither deserved by anyone nor earned by anyone in any way. So there essentially are no do's or don'ts in God's grace. It's always a free gift that you don't earn or deserve. Now, there are several ways God reveals and uses law in the Bible. We're doing this once again because Paul is talking a lot about this. So he reveals law, God, as what is required to remain in his favor. You do this to keep right with me. We first read about that Genesis 2.16 with Adam. And these requirements that he gives must be kept perfectly. Another function of the law, so that was the first one. Another function of the law we see revealed during the Jewish exodus from Egypt in a little more detail. This time, the laws are revealed to assist Israel in functioning as God's chosen people. And they point us to what sin is, what is unacceptable to God. So these laws offered both encouragement through blessings and restraint through punishment. So you you had these guardrails up. If you stayed within the guardrails, you're good. You got blessed by God. You went outside of the guardrails, then there was punishment. There was, uh, and that restrained you to get back into the the guardrails with inside those. So any violations of this, so when you did stray out, they were atoned for through ritual sacrifice. This was again an introduction of law. So those are the first two uses of law by God. The first one was to show us what is required perfectly to remain in his favor. And then the second one in more detail form was a more descriptive form of these laws that kept Israel to live a life that was pleasing to God as his chosen people. Now, the final installment of God's revelation of law comes through the gospel which was the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you're thinking, well, how does Jesus bring law? Well, Jesus talked a lot about law, but in the perspective of what he was going to do. And Jesus teaches that it is he who will fulfill all the law. 
Matthew 5, 17, Sermon on the Mount. Now, we already know from God's first revelation of law what the purpose of it was, that fulfillment of the law required perfect obedience to God. So, if Jesus were going to fulfill that, so through the work of Christ in fulfillment of the law, which he did perfectly, his righteousness now, he, he was right before God, his righteousness is transferred to anyone who believes. That was God's promise in the gospel. This is the new covenant, the new promise. So now Christians who believe in Christ, follow Christ, are no longer subject to the law to remain right with God. Now that we call grace. So we are saved by grace and not by law. Nothing we can do can earn God's grace. He gives that freely. So now Christians live with the law, which still exists, but not under the law. As John Calvin would say, the law has become our advisor for expressing the grace God has given us in Jesus Christ. So we now walk in faith. Just wanted to give you a little background there because Paul's talking a lot about that contrast between law and grace and how destructive the law is now to those living in grace. So let's go right to the text from the Apostle Paul, beginning in verse 7 of chapter 5, Galatians. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Galatians 5, 7 through 12. So, what is Paul teaching here? Three more reasons why returning to the law as a means of salvation and receiving God's grace is destructive to Christians because we rely on that and it must be done perfectly. The first reason Paul gives, returning to the law causes us to lose focus on what is true. He uses an analogy of a race in uh, verse 7. And we all know the consequences of losing focus in a race. You, you take your eye off the finish line. In our case, we would take our eye off of Christ to look at other things that might earn us his grace, might earn us a right standing with God. But it is all, always Jesus Christ that does that. It's what he has already done. So Paul emphasizes to the Galatians that they're doing it to themselves. Because they were given everything they needed to run the race well. They were given grace. He also adds an example for those that may not have understood the race analogy. He gives an example of a, a baking analogy, essentially, where a small amount of yeast 
quickly spreads throughout the dough in verse 9. Anybody that's baked any bread or anything using yeast understands that. You need a small amount and it permeates the whole dough. Well, the implication is here that, again, one small amount of reliance on law to earn grace will spread throughout your entire perspective of God because we already know from Genesis 2 that if God gives you a command in order to maintain righteousness with him, you have to do that perfectly. So you can't just keep one law. You have to keep them all. So you rely on a small amount of law to earn grace or earn salvation. And before you know it, you'll be a slave once again to the law. That's all you'll be thinking about and doing because it'll never be enough. So the second reason Paul gives why the law is destructive to Christians is that it removes the conviction of the cross. Paul says that for him to preach circumcision would be to preach human work to earn God's favor. That's in verse 11. He adds, if I were preaching God's grace through human work, I would not be preaching salvation through Christ. Then the cross would convict no one of their need for a savior. Remember, the cross is central to our faith. So once we return to law to receive grace in even the smallest way, we reject the cross, just as the Romans and the Jews did. And then the cross is no longer a stumbling block for anyone, which it should be. We should all stumble over the cross, seeing that that's what we need, rather than anything we can do ourselves to receive grace or salvation because we cannot do it perfectly. There's no time here or in another life in the afterworld that we can earn any more grace than God has already given to those he has chosen to follow his son. Third reason, this is the last one for Paul's verses here, is that returning to the law to receive grace often makes us feel dissatisfied. And you can see that in the first two reasons where you would become very dissatisfied because things just would never be enough. Paul attempts to articulate this in verse 12, but uh, he's obviously pretty angry. It's an uncomfortable verse as Paul suggests that these Judaizers turn up the gas on their own teaching and, and perform additional mutilation on themselves. And Paul was prone to harsh sarcasm when things like this confronted him. But however, if we, if we take a moment and observe the context of Paul's entire letter to the Galatians, his intent in verse 12 appears to be something like this. If, if you're dead set on works to receive God's grace, if, if you're just not going to move off of that, then your works will never be enough. So why stop with one thing? Keep going. Why stop with mutilation here? Mutilate further because you might as well. The point of the matter is this, according to Paul, that anyone who believes they can perform rituals or offer obedience to earn God's grace will never be satisfied. So that's the, that's the push of Paul's whole message here. It's destructive to go back to the law as a Christian because you're a Christian because you've give, been given grace. And that first reason is that you lose focus on that fact and you start to drift into other 
ways to receive grace, what other ways to be made right with God, other ways to make God like you more. And you are no longer convicted by the cross, the work of Christ. And then you become very, very dissatisfied. So it's plain from Paul's teaching that every Christian must decide law or grace. It seems easy given what we just heard from Paul, but it's not always the case because we're kept in a tension of having one foot in the kingdom by the grace of God while our hind ends are still planted in the pews. We're still functioning in this world. It is attractive to us that we can somehow captain our own ship to make ourselves right with God, at least in some way. After all, doesn't God say he will bless us for doing good things? That's the whole Mosaic covenant. But that was the whole purpose. Those covenants moved in succession, one building on the other to show the importance of the Messiah. This is why the the cross is central to our faith. Anything good we do in obedience to God is because of what Jesus has already done. That's God's plan of redemption. We don't get to change that. It's not our plan. It's his plan. We can't look at it and say, well, yeah, I think I'll add a little bit here, you know, a little flavor over there. It'll help me out in the long run. No, it won't. Won't help you at all. God says our deeds are but dirty rags. So then why do anything at all? Why not just walk around? Because it's God's already predetermined it, right? Well, the point and the purpose of everything is that you, as a Christian, have been chosen by God for his glory and not yours. So if we are going to please God, we can't do it on our own. We must follow Christ. We walk in faith, not in works. So our lives are intimately connected with God intimately connected with Christ, not this world. Paul said to the church in Corinth, I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. When he said that, I'm pretty sure he meant it. So folks, If we are dissatisfied with life because we don't think we're doing enough, or we think God has predestined everything and nothing matters, then we're relying on works. We're looking to things to validate our faith. And the only thing that will validate our faith is what Christ has already done and our belief in that. Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you and give you peace. Next up on Open Your Bibles, we will take a look at Paul's teaching in Galatians 5, 13 through 15. Now, these are the next verses after Paul has just given us a whole bunch of reasons why the law is so destructive to Christians. But now he's going to give a warning on that Christian freedom. This is very important, and I would encourage you to listen to it. So God bless you all. And remember, the Bible cannot mean anything different today than it did back then.